Hey, good morning, Elevate. How are you all this morning? Great to be alive? Absolutely. Great to be together. Those of you that are first-time guests, Echo Pete's, welcome to you. It's great to have you here. You've actually jumped in at uh, just about the halfway point of a new of a series we've been teaching called Alter Ego, and I'll get into that in a moment. But I just want to give you guys that have been here the last few weeks especially some real strong props. Um, for me, as a communicator, and any one of you that's ever stood up in front of a group of people as a communicator in any forum, uh, you'll know that... If people aren't responsive, even if you're, you know, giving it your best shot, uh, it's a real grind. And uh, I just want to say over the last few weeks, whether you've realized this about yourselves or not, um, your level of responsiveness and engagement uh, has escalated. And from a communicator's point of view, you actually make the communicator even better because communicators actually feed off some of that responsiveness. I don't know if you know that or not, but you can make the communicator even better than they are just by being more responsive. And you guys have been doing that. And so as a communicator, brilliant, well done. But actually, uh, I think even more importantly, as a leader, and me as the senior leader here at Elevate, the more important thing is most of you, it seems, I mean, I don't do a nose count every week, but certainly a, a growing percentage of you are actually leaning in and not just nodding and, and, and kind of physically responding, but you're actually, I'm seeing people taking notes like crazy. Uh, last week, one of our guys, Peter, came up to me afterwards and uh, he, he had more notes than I had. You know, if I ever preach last week's message again at another church, I'm going to borrow Peter's notes because um, they're better than my notes. And he just, and, and, and this is why that encourages me because it's very, very important for us to understand that the blessing that God has for us for when his word is spoken, when we read his word, when we are exposed to his word, the blessing's not in the hearing of it. The blessing's in the doing. And too often, we can hear something. God can reveal something to us. And if we don't note it, we can leave and leave it behind. Sometimes not because we, we want to, just because we forget. And I'm just loving that. I'm really wanting to encourage you guys in that. So we launched this series called Alter Ego a couple of weeks ago. And just Let me just catch you up. And those of you that are first-time guests, um, just to bring you up to speed. This is week three. The idea of this theme, alter ego, A-L-T-A-R, is in the old part of the Bible, and actually throughout history, there's, there's, there's been time and again where God has actually uh, said to a person who has a particular thing going on, an issue, some baggage, some challenges, whatever it is, he's actually called them, often called them to build an altar. Now, these days, our exposure, if we've had any ex exposure to an altar, is often in a, in a traditional church building, whether we've grown up in that setting or whether it's because we went there for a wedding or whatever it happens to be. We often, you've seen a big, ornate, you know, wooden or marble or something, you know, table at, at the front on the, on, the, on the stage. And that's called an altar, but it wasn't always that way. It was typically just like this kind of deal. This is the closest we had to photography. Um, it just, you know, someone just stop where you are. God says, get some rocks, build a little thing, little stand, little altar, and I want you to sacrifice something. I want you to lay something down. And when you lay it down, the idea was, was that's now God's. And you leave it there. And whatever that was, you leave it there. And we're talking over these four weeks about leaving some stuff behind and picking up instead the promises of God, moving away from what we're leaving behind, what he calls us to, to leave behind, which is less than God's best, 
and move instead towards and, 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 and to, to grab a hold of his promises and his preferred future. And then the idea of ego is, is what we think of ourselves. And uh, we're trying to lay down some of what we think of ourselves. We're trying to lay down some of what other people think of us and instead choose what's better. And that's what God says about us. Week one, two weeks ago, we talked about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. Last week, we talked about laying down our need for control. And uh, today, and I think these next two weeks, uh, I think, they're going to be the most important, the most powerful, the most critical, um, and actually the most pivotal if we really get this. Today, we're talking about our so-called right to be offended. And then next week, we're going to be talking about laying down our longing for approval, what psychologists often refer to as approval addiction, where people live for the approval of others and not the approval of God. And when those two are mutually exclusive, we have to choose the approval of God. But if you have approval addiction, it's too easy to, to leave that and instead go after what other people think. And so that little intro video we just put up there, we asked those same questions on social media throughout this week. Let me ask you them. Uh, very same questions now. Just don't have to respond physically, but just think about this. If any of these boxes, one or more of these might be true. Do you find yourself being critical of others? It's just yes or no. Do people often annoy you? Yes or no. Do you feel like someone owes you an apology? Yes or no. Do you find yourself easily offended yes or no and what we need to understand and, and there's so much I want us to really grab a hold of this morning one of the things one of the first things we need to understand is taking offense which is a decision people can't people can be offensive but we still are the ones that have the choice of whether to take that offense on but taking on an offense and not and not forgiving someone it's often said is like you drinking poison in the hope that the other person's going to die. If you take offense, it actually doesn't affect the other person at all. Especially if they're an offensive person. They, they, they're not even aware of it and, and they couldn't care less. And so you drink the poison hoping they're going to die and it doesn't work that way. It's us that dies a little every day. Now... You know, I get I want to get I actually don't get offended, uh, and I'll talk about that in a little while. But you know, things happen that have the uh, risk of being offensive during the course of my day. I think one of the ones on the top of my list is I'm, you know, scooting along on my little Vespa through the uh, streets of Perth, and uh, I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, if I'm sort of going at a, a slow clip, or uh, if I'm sort of stationary at a set of lights. There's someone wanting to turn in from a side street. I'll let them go through. I'll, I'll, I'll wave them through. And they go through. I don't ask for much. When I do that, I don't ask for much. I, I don't think I'm very demanding. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't sort of put my chest out hoping they're going to pin a medal. I just like, you know, I just ask for one thing. Just one thing. After they've gone in, I've let them in. Very Just, just Scotty, you get it. Just a little... In the rearview mirror, you know, if they don't do it, <laughs> I crank that Vesper up, mate. I hit a maximum 60 kilometers an hour and I chase them. Amen. Yeah. That's offensive, Neil. 
Do you do the thank you wave, Neil? Every time? Good boy. So you should. And, you know, I don't, I don't get offended by that sort of stuff. But we actually do. Some people get offended by the most meaningless things. I've heard people talk about how offended they are that somebody didn't invite them to a party. I'm so offended that they didn't invite me to a party. I, I, that person, that, they, were, they, were, they were short with me. You know, I asked them a, a question and they gave me a real, real terse, abrupt, short response. I'm so offended. And we, we get a, you know, oh, they, they spoke to me in a tone of voice that was completely inappropriate. And I'm, I'm really offended by that. And, you know, we can actually allow ourselves to, to, to get offended by seemingly unimportant, meaningless things. And, and actually, no, you know, no offense, but we've probably all done it. But my question this morning, and actually my offer this morning, but here's my question is, is if God, if God was to offer you a better way, of living, a way that you could live with freedom from offense and live with a, a joy that God can bring. If he was to offer that to you this morning, if he just magically appeared before you and said, hey, if you're easily offended, I, I can actually show you a better way, a way that you can live free and with joy, would you take it? Would, would you take that offer this morning? Well, you know what? He's not physically necessarily going to appear like in human form, but he's written his word for us to know what he thinks about this topic. And I'm going to share from that how we cannot allow offenses to affect us. But we do. And uh, I even know people, if, if they write out their resume under the list of hobbies, they would put taking offense as one of their hobbies. They, they, just, they just go around. It's almost like they vacuum offenses into their life and, and make it a pastime. And in fact, I've seen this, and chances are you have too. I even know whole groups of people that, 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 that flock together, and the only thing they have in common is that they're all offended by the same thing or the same person. Have you ever experienced that in any social settings? You ever experienced that in any church settings? Birds of a feather do indeed flock together, and sometimes... The common interest is just that they're all offended by the same person or the same thing. And instead of joining together to try and break free from that offense, they join together and fuel it and fan each other's offense. Oh, yeah, well, they did that to you. Let me tell you what they did to me. And, and they run this kind of, it's not even a support group. It's, it's the kerosene group. It's, uh, it's just, and this thing escalates. And they, they keep drinking the poison, hoping the person who's not even in the room is going to die. Don't work that way. And actually, the, the, the best image that I've ever come across with how this works is the, is, the, is the question of taking offense is a form of taking a bait, a, a bait a, 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 of a trap that's been set. And uh, the image is this uh, idea. It's, it's actually a pretty cruel practice where monkeys are hunters and it's uh, try to be outlawed in... Uh, in uh, countries around the world. But, but monkey hunters put a banana in a container. They either try to wedge it into a coconut or in, in some other form of a container, a container that's big enough for a monkey to get their hand in, but a monkey holding a banana can't actually get their hand out. And the monkey, it's, 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 it sounds like, are you kidding? Is it, is it as simple? It's as, it is literally as simple as that. That, that the monkey sits there holding on 
to the, you know, the, 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 the trap is, is chained to something. I mean, otherwise, they just walk around with the coconut and nick off. Okay. The monkey sits there and refuses to let go of the banana. And the hunter just casually walks up and traps the monkey and takes it away and, and sells it on the black market and does what it does. And his friend's saying to him, what are you doing? Just let go. Let go of the banana. There's other bananas. And, but that's this idea. We do this. The devil sets this trap, this bait of somebody acting offensively. We have the choice of whether to take that offense or in the case that occasionally we might let something sneak through our gut and we do take it. Take the bait that the best thing we can do is recognize that and learn how to let it go. And there's a book which is one of the most important books written on this subject called The Bait of Satan, written by a great Christian leader named John Bevere. And uh, if this is a thing for you, and uh, I think it's a thing for most people, varying levels, this is a thing for you. This will be a handy tool for you to have and work your way through in order to move to this place of experiencing God's freedom and God's best. It's sold over a million copies, which suggests to me there's a little bit of a market <laughs> for this topic. There's a few people on our planet struggling with this issue. And uh, on the back cover, John writes, Don't be fooled. You will encounter offense, but it's up to you how it will affect your relationship with God. Your response will determine your future. If offense is handled correctly, you'll become stronger rather than bitter. Now, it's my hope. No. I expect that as we talk through this the next 20 minutes, that there's going to be some names if they haven't already bubbled to the surface already. There'll be some names and some situations that you'll be thinking of, of people who acted offensively towards you and, and for whom or during which you took that bait and that you're sitting here today and, and, and you're going to realize I'm still holding on to that bait. And uh, this is a good place. This is a safe place for you to deal with that, to actually address that, to actually put that under the microscope. It might be hurtful. And, 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 and I tell you this, it's typically the greater the offense and the greater the consequences of that offense when we took that and became offended that make it harder to let go because we look for justice and we look for revenge and we look for getting even and, and uh, all the while it's us drinking the poison. You know, some of you know a bit of a story that happened to Louis and I a few years ago. And, and, and this is the one that bubbled to the surface for me when I was preparing this message this week. About three, four years ago, Louisa and I packed everything up in Perth and we moved to Adelaide to take over and lead a church there. And uh, a year into leading that church, after the first year, I got fired. The board uh, presented me with a resignation letter that allegedly I'd written, but they'd written it for me. And asked me to sign it, and you know I did. And we walked away from there. And uh, that was pretty offensive. Um, I discovered uh, soon after that, during that 12 months of me leading that church, that the board had been meeting for nine months uh, to plot this uh, bloodless coup and to get rid of me. Um, and 
it was pretty, it was pretty hurtful. It was hurtful because that board, the people on that board, they were actually, we, we looked to them, leading a church, and leading a church particularly through transition, and particularly in the first year or two, there's a lot of heavy, heavy lifting to be done. And those of you that have journeyed from Rivervale Church of Christ to the launch of Elevate Church, you'll know there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done. There's a lot of misunderstanding and doing new things in new ways. And uh, I looked to this board, as, as, and Louis and I looked to this board as our closest confidants. And, and not just in the whole church transition. We didn't know anybody in Adelaide when we moved there. We looked to that, that board as our closest confidants in life. And when stuff you know, uh, was challenging us in life, we, we would actually go to one of them as our, as our friends and our confidants and, uh, and talk through them, uh, those issues with them. Uh, an example is, uh, is uh, Louis got a phone call one night in Adelaide, um, from one of our family members here, uh, telling us that another family member had just been date raped. She, she'd been uh, using a, one of the online, you know, ma- matching services, and uh, she'd been on this, you know, they're typically blind dates. You do an introduction online, but you go and meet the, the, the person, and then have dinner or what, ha- what have you. And uh, this particular this particular date that she went on, the, the gentleman uh, took advantage of her and raped her at the end of that date. And, and, and Louis got the phone call in Adelaide and, you know, talk about feeling helpless. You know, this family member's in Perth and we're in Adelaide. It was literally nothing we could do. And, uh, and Louis looked to one of these board members, one of the women on the board, uh, the next day. Well, that night, phoned her and the next day they met up and just downloaded some of this stuff. And uh, a month later, that board member was one of the people that fired me. And that was offensive. Um, but I still had to choose whether to allow that to be the bait that I hang on to. Something that Solomon wrote, he's considered the wisest man to ever live, except for Jesus. He said this, a man's wisdom or a person's wisdom gives them patience. It's to their glory to overlook an offense. And so as much as that situation bubbled to the surface for me, you may be sitting here right now thinking of somebody or something or some things that happened to you that someone said that was offensive and you've taken that bait and you're hanging on to that. And Solomon says to you this morning, it's actually to your glory to overlook that offense. Now, <clears throat> don't misunderstand this. Does that mean that we're meant to live as a doormat? This, I saw this uh, from Oprah's blog uh, this week. She had an article about this and put this image up. Sam, if you can uh, throw that up there. Is that what we're talking about? You know, just when someone acts offensively, just let them walk all over you. And become a doormat. You know, get the T-shirt. Door, doormat anonymous. You know, Join the group and uh, play the victim. And, and actually... It's not that at all. In fact, it's exactly the opposite of that. Solomon says it's to our glory to overlook an offense. To actually, that word overlook can also be translated to pass over. It's actually an image. Well, in those days, it would have been an image of an eagle. We could just as easily think of it as an image of an airplane right now. That when somebody acts offensively, that we actually live at a higher altitude. We actually choose 
to soar above that. We actually choose to overlook it. We actually choose to say, you know what? You can be a turkey all you want. You can, you can, you can act like that. You can say those things. You can do those offensive things. And they are offensive. Those words are offensive. Those actions are offensive. I recognize they're offensive, but you know what? I'm going to choose out of growing in wisdom to overlook that offense, to live at a higher altitude. Now, I was thinking about it this week. Why is it some people don't? Or why is it that some people in some certain situations don't live at that higher altitude when someone acts offensively towards them? Let me throw out a few quick hits of things that just I've been thinking about. One, one of them is sometimes we don't live at a higher altitude because we don't understand where the person's coming from. So we interpret things through our experience and don't try to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. One of life's axioms is that hurt people hurt people. It's kind of a fight or flight response, and it's when people choose the fight response, but actually sometimes we choose the fight response, someone else or something else has hurt us, and we choose to fight with the people around us, not the person who was the instigator in the first place, okay? And if we understand that hurt people hurt people, that when hurting people come to us and act offensively, speak offensively, for us to understand their hurting helps explain their behavior. Now, now... Now, understand this. It helps explain it. It doesn't excuse it. Okay? We all need to take responsibility for every word we speak and every action we make. But when we understand that someone's hurting, they're a bit wounded, we can't expect them to walk well. They may have a limp, and sometimes that may be foisted on us. It explains it, but it doesn't excuse it. Okay, But here's, here's the thing. We can't always fix the hurting people, but we don't have to allow their offensive behavior to dictate our response. Okay, And I'm going to talk about that a bit more. Another reason I think that some people take offense is that we haven't developed the skills and the capacity to align our response with our intentions. We can say, I don't intend to take offense, but we need to develop a skill set and a capacity to, to, to have an alternative. You know, what's the alternative? Some of us ha- haven't even considered that there's an alternative. We think that when people act offensively, we have to take offense. And the, the reality is we don't have to take offense. And there are alternatives. But unless we develop the skills and the capacity to execute those alternatives, we're not going to live free. You know, I'm teaching our leaders right now. One of the skills is to understand not every thing that someone says to you deserves a response. One of the, one of the, the clubs in my bag that I pull out when, when someone says something that's offensive is I don't respond at all. <coughs> I, I just remain silent because it doesn't, it doesn't deserve a response. And sometimes that's the best thing you can do. But sometimes we don't possess that. We haven't built the poker face. And we feel a need to kind of buy in. And we buy in, we take the bait. A higher altitude response might be silence. A higher altitude response, if it's a repeat offender, is to just say, hey, listen, time out. Let me, let me communicate my expectations to you. You continue to act in an offensive way. I'm not taking offense. I'm not giving you that... Uh, that credit, but you are being offensive. And I just say, well, stop. 
Let me communicate my expectations. My expectations are dot, dot, dot. And just create some boundaries. But sometimes we haven't developed those skills or the capacity to execute those skills. I think sometimes we take offense because we've got a warped perspective on life. And we take offense at people that cut us off in traffic. We take offense at people that don't invite us to their parties. And we take offense at work when we, there's a meeting being held and we weren't put on the list to come and participate in that meeting. Perspective is so important. I got this little uh, video I saw last week and I think this is just one of many examples we could use to give us a perspective of, of some of what really matters in life. Let's, let's run that. All right, technological issues, that's all right. I'll put that through in our e-update this week and uh, you can see that link to that video, just amazing stuff. But a perspective on, on what really matters and, and what really is the stuff that we should be caring less about and caring more about. And the last thing, and I wanna just drill down on this with the time remaining. I think one of the reasons we take offense is that we actually don't fully appreciate what Jesus has done for us. See, Jesus has forgiven us and too often we're slow to forgive others, which is a bit of a head-scratcher, right? If Jesus has forgiven us of everything, <laughs> even though we don't deserve to be forgiven of anything, he then asks us to forgive others. I'm gonna drill down, and the principle is this, forgiven people, forgive people. This is not a new issue. Paul, who wrote a lot of the, it was like a, a, the, the grand poobah of a lot of the early churches of 2,000 years ago after Jesus died and rose again. These churches were popping up in these cities and towns around. Uh, and uh, one of the places is a place called Ephesus, which is in Turkey, modern day Turkey. Paul wrote to them and said, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love making allowance for each other's faults. In other words, understanding that hurt people hurt people is another way of saying that. And one of the things, and I shared this last week at our Leaders Advance when I was training them in, in, in leadership and, and this life principle is that we need to understand this. We judge ourselves based on our intentions, but we judge other people based on their actions. It's one of the reasons we hate being misunderstood because we know our intentions. Unless your intentions are bad, and I hope most of the time they're not. But when our intentions are good and other people judge us wrongly, we, 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 we get offended. Oh, hang on, I didn't mean that. Yeah, but that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. We judge ourselves based on our intentions, but we judge other people based on their actions. Well, you did this, yeah, but we don't say that. We say, and what you meant is, and the reality is we never know what someone means unless we ask the question, unless we seek understanding. For us to assume that we know what other per another person means, what are we, Jesus? Impossible to know. They might be having a bad day. Their teenage child may have le just left home or be making bad decisions and that's actually affecting how they're acting on any particular sitting. They, they, they may have just gotten some bad news from their doctor and we don't know. But we judge them on their actions, not on their intentions. But we judge ourselves on our intentions. Well, I didn't mean that. I'm a saint. See, we hope others forgive us, don't we? When you do something wrong or get misunderstood, you hope others forgive you, right? How many of you would hope that other people forgive you when you think, oh, I didn't really mean that? Or you, 
Yeah, we do. But, 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 but so why are we ever slow to forgive others when we expect them to forgive us? See, a goal in life is to have a thick skin and a soft heart. And unfortunately, what too many people have is a thin skin and a hard heart. Have a thick skin but a soft heart at all times. Don't get easily offended, but move and live with compassion. Don't take offense. Well, Paul, same kind of thing. Think of these words, make allowance for each other's faults. He wrote that to the church in Ephesus. Then just up the road, there's another church, a church in a place called Colossae. He said to them, oh, here it is again, make allowance for each other's faults. Seems this situation, this issue was a little bit universal. Well, it's universal today. 2,000 years later, in churches, families, workplaces, communities, neighborhoods, sporting groups, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgiven people, forgive people. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, just have a look and hover over this word. Forgive, what's the word on the second line, the first word? Anyone. It's unqualified. Anyone. You could translate it as everyone, but you can't translate it as a few people. Some. The ones you like to. The ones that are easier to because it was only a minor offense. No. Anyone. Remember the Lord forgave you and then Jesus he came in prior to this prior to Paul writing Paul's just picking up on what Jesus had to say you want to talk about a flipping roadblock in the middle of the road here it is right here this is what Jesus had to say about this situation for if you forgive people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you well that's good news he didn't stop there he said, but if you don't forgive other people their sins, wow. If you don't forgive other people their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. That's even messing with some of your theology. Right? Because God's meant to forgive everything if we ask him to. Right? It's what we've been taught, right? If you've been around, hovering around churches for a little while, well, it seems there's a little bit of a sticking point along here. For some of you, some of these names, some of these situations that have bubbled to the surface this morning, for some of them they're only just below the surface because you live with this stuff tying you up in knots a lot. For some of you, the, the journey to forgiving some of the past offenses is going to be a process. Okay? This isn't going to be abracadabra grab your coffee and 10.30, all is forgiven and you're on track. Uh, and I understand that. And I hope at a very minimum for you, for those of you that you're going to actually have to go down a long and potentially painful road 
to, to get beyond this stuff. I hope that at, at a minimum that, that, that you do leave this place this morning inspired and committed to getting to a place where you can put that situation on the altar and live free and live beyond that. Uh, this book actually has a devotional section at the end, quite a substantial devotional section at the end, and it's actually designed for that very thing, to, to, to help you just day by day, over a period of time, walk through a process. And uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate we can't actually do that in 25 minutes on a Sunday. So one of the best investments of your money and your time would be for you to get this book and walk through that process. But for some others of you, you've actually realized this morning some of the stuff that you're grabbing a hold of, some of the debates that you've taken are actually kind of knucklehead things. And, and you're even sort of scratching your head and wondering why you've been so stupid. Because you're thinking... You realize you took the bait and you're thinking, what in the world did I ever do that for? That person didn't deserve the credit for what they said. Or that situation really wasn't such a big deal after all. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the thing that Solomon said, he says it's to our glory to pass over, to overlook an offense. One of the things that you can tell one of the ways you can tell that you're growing in wisdom is to know which stuff to simply pass over, is to actually be able to forgive in real time. Wouldn't that be a cool way to live? To be able to forgive in real time. People will do offensive things. They'll say offensive things. They'll do offensive things. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be, for some of you, unbelievable but, but worth trying to believe that you could get to a place in your life where you can forgive in real time. How good would that feel? Huh? To live permanently at a higher altitude. To be the eagle and not the turkey. To hang with other eagles. To live at that altitude. To see life from that perspective and not with the turkeys. Well, it's, it's a reality. It's something God promises. It's something we can grow towards. We can grow in wisdom. And as we grow in wisdom, one of the expressions of that can be that we can learn to forgive in real time. So there's kind of, that's why I was saying earlier, this can be a pivotal moment for many of you. <laughs> it can be a pivotal moment because some of you, for what you've gone through, you're gonna have to look, spend some time from this day, looking in the rearview mirror and working on letting go of some of the stuff that's happened in the past. Forgiving. Stop drinking the poison. For others of you, you don't really have a lot of stuff that you're hanging on to, and, and if that's you, great. You're, prime, you're primed and ready to go from this place to learn how to live and forgive in real time, to grow in wisdom and express that. And by the way, if you are someone that's got a lot of stuff that you need to let go of, you can also get up to that place where you start living free and learn to live. And, and I don't say this to brag. Those of you that know me well, our team leaders especially, 
Louie, who's not here, she's doing assignments this morning, but she'll tell you, I don't get offended. It's just not worth it. I don't give people that privilege. People, I mean, people do knucklehead stuff every now and then. It's their stuff. It's not my stuff. So I want to live at a higher altitude. And I haven't always been this way. I really haven't. But just a constant journey of growing in wisdom and knowing how and when to overlook stuff, to live at that higher altitude. i got to tell you, I'd never go back. Right? Why would you, right? So I just really, guys, I really hope, I really hope and pray that this morning, that this topic is liberating. I'm not on commission to sell this book, by the way, just you know, so you know. I paid for the copy myself years ago, part of me trying to become a better at this, and it's working. But the byline of that book is living free from the deadly trap of offense. Take that as a vision. Take that as a goal. Take that as something you think, flippin' heck, that sounds pretty good. Imagine if you can live at a higher altitude than your stupid boss who does offensive things all the time. Wouldn't that be amazing? That, that relative that just is like sand between your toes. Imagine living at a higher altitude, not letting the stuff that they carry on with at the family get-togethers, just, you just pass over. It's possible. God promises it, but we've got to become students of this. We've got to become practitioners of this before we can expect to become experts at this. Hey, look, we talk about Jesus forgiving us. And uh, for some of you, that's going to be your starting point. You've never actually asked for his forgiveness of stuff that you've done that's actually been offensive to God. Churchy word, it's called sin. Just translate that word sin into, just translates the stuff that we've done that's less than what God would want us to do. And we've all done that, all of us. Some of you have never actually asked for his forgiveness for that, to say, God, you know, I've, I've done some offensive stuff to you, and I, I, want, I, I need you to forgive me of that. You have an opportunity to do that right now. We're going to take that opportunity right now to give you the opportunity, if you've never done that, to say, God, I need you to forgive me of the stuff that I've done wrong, and, 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 and I need to get my life right with you. I need to, I need to become clean. I need to things to become clear. I don't want this, this stuff in between me and you, God. I want us to have a relationship. Some of you have never actually done that. We're going to give you that opportunity right now. All I want you to do, for those of you that have never done that, have never said, God, forgive me of the stuff that I've done that's offended you, that's been offensive towards you. Just forgive me of that. I want you to put your hand up, and when I see your hand, you can put it down, and we're going to pray. Pray that Acknowledging that God will forgive you. God will accept you into a relationship with him. But you need to first ask for his forgiveness. Just put your hand up for those of you that need to do that today. When I see your hand, you can put it down. Great. Who else? Just slip your hand up. Great. Who else? Fantastic. Who else?
Let's pray. Those three people that lifted their hands, I want you to pray, but we're all going to pray as we're with you on this. And say these words after me. Everyone say these words after me. Dear Jesus, I present myself to you. I acknowledge my offenses. Okay, we're not at a funeral, people. Just have a bit of life with this response here. My goodness, I'm falling asleep listening to you. I thank you for forgiving me. For giving me a brand new start. From this day forward, I am a new creation. I will continue to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cue celebration. The, um, I want to pray one more prayer. I said right at the beginning, this can and I really hope it will be a pivotal, pivotal day for you. Uh, I want you to just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to lift your hand if you want to be in on this prayer. I want to pray for people that you know that to put this stuff into practice, it's going to be a flippin' tough grind. Either because someone has hurt you so deeply, or it's happened so long in the past and, and, and you've been living it for so long, it, it feels like a part of you and you're not sure how you can separate yourself from it. I don't need to know what the situation or situations or the people or <laughs> persons are. God wants you to lay that down at the altar and whether that's in the very short term or whether you've got to actually walk through a process. If you know that, that this is going to be a real tough grind for you and you know that you could not possibly do that without his help, I want to pray for you because God will help you. I'm going to pray for you. Just put your hand up if you want to be in on this prayer. If that's you, you think, flip, you know, Mark, this stuff that's come to the surface, great. Stuff that's come to the surface and, you know, I'm actually committed. I'm actually inspired to pursue this freedom that you've been talking about, that God promises. But I'm not sure I can get there on my own. Well, the point is you don't have to get there on your own. God's going to be with you. And by the way, get into an Elevate group at our front desk afterwards. We've got sign-up sheets if you didn't put a Next Step card in or, or go in online. Go to our, our front desk and flip and join an Elevate group so you've got people around you as well who can encourage you and pray for you and journey through the rest of this year with you. If you think you have to do this on your own, you don't. But those of you that have put your hand up, I'm going to make sure you know that God doesn't expect you to do it on your own. It seems too much for you, that's great. Because <laughs> it's not meant to be just you doing it on your own. May it be painful? Yeah. One of the things that's true in life is you can choose comfort or growth, but not both. You're going to have to go through some discomfort. Some of you might have to go and get some professional counseling because you need someone to help give you a leg up. That's great. Do it. But it costs money. Yeah. Think of it as an investment, investment in your freedom. 
Those of you that put your hands up, I pray for you right now. Lord, what an incredible promise that you offer that we can live free from the deadly trap of offense. Some of us have taken the bait and are still hanging on to it. And we didn't even realize it, Lord. And you don't punish us for that. We know that. So, Lord, I thank you that you want to move in on these situations. You want to move in. And as they have come to the surface this morning, you want to join your hand. Take the senior partnership role with us to lead us forward, to lead us beyond, to lead us into a freedom, to help us live at a higher altitude. And those people that raised their hands, Lord, you saw them. You know the situations. You know the situations better than even they know the situations, Lord. And more importantly, you know the way forward better than we know the way forward. So, Lord, we trust that you're going to lead us, that you're going to guide us, that we're going to move towards greener pastures as we walk holding your hand, looking to you, leaning on your understanding, on your ways. And when those times get uncomfortable, when those memories bubble to the surface in a way that seems too painful to even confront, Lord, that's when you promise that you, by your Holy Spirit, will be our comforter, will be alongside us, comforting us in those situations. Lord, help us just tune into that, tune into your Holy Spirit, draw on him for comfort for encouragement, to go another day, to go another round, to pick ourselves up again when we need to, Lord. I'm going to talk about band-aids or easy fixes, God. We know that some things take time. We offer you ourselves. We offer our commitment. We offer a commitment to journey, a worthwhile journey to move towards a better future, to lay this stuff down on the altar and pick up your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Great guys, solid stuff. I mean, you know, if you want diet, Jesus, wrong church. No calories, no impact. Not interested. Hey, coffee this morning? Cuban Serrano. Cuban Serrano.